Okay, good morning. Um, it's been a little bit, I do apologize. Um, we're on the bottom of Chavzayan Amud Bez, 27b, the last line. We're in the middle of that story where they got rid of one of the um, <clears throat> the heads of the yeshiva um, because he was being disrespectful to another senior rabbi. And they were now in the process of asking this young rabbi, Elazar ben Azariah, to become the new head of the yeshiva. So we're in the last line. Asuva um, Amrule. So we're actually um, almost the last line. Second to last line on 27b. Last five words on the line. Asuva Amrule. So they came and they told him, Nichale Lamar de Lehave Reish Mesifta. Were you, Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah, are you comfortable with becoming the head of the yeshiva? Amr Luhu, he said to them, I'm going to go and I'm going to um, speak to the people that of my household. So he went and he spoke with his wife. Amr and she said to him, Now we're turning to Chaf Ches Amad Aleph, 28a. Dilma Ma'abrinlach. What happened? Maybe one day they're going to depose you. Maybe one day they're going to fire you from your job. Amar Allah, so he said back to her, Lishtamish inish yomachada, the chasa demokra. Let a person use a precious cup one day, ulamachar lidvar, and the next day it break, rather than not using it at all. In other words, so I'll have the opportunity for a little bit of time. Amrale, she said to him, You don't have any black, white hair, I'm sorry. So no one's going to take you seriously. So that day, when he had this discussion with his wife, he was 18 years old, and a miracle happened for him. And 18 rows of white hair came up in his beard. So he actually looked much older than he really was. And Hainu Dekama Rabalazar ben Azariah, and this is what this is how we understand that which Rabalazar ben Azariah said this is what he meant when he said, I am like I am 70 years old. And he didn't say I am 70 years old because that's exactly what he meant. I am like I'm 70 years old. I have the white hair as if I'm 70 years old, but really I am just 18 years old. By the way, we say that on the, at the, uh, in, in the Haggadah on Pesach. All right. Um, Tana. So it was taught in Ebraisa. So the day that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah took the job, and on that first day of his on the job, things changed drastically. So number one on that day, on that day, they got rid of the guard who was at the uh, at the front entrance. In other words, they there was no barrier to entry anymore into the yeshiva. And all of the students were given permission to come in. Because Rabbi Gamliel, the last head of the yeshiva, used to announce and proclaim, any student whose inside is not like his out, I'm sorry, whose outside is not like his inside, meaning is not completely sincere, they should not come into the house of study. So that day there were many um, many stools that were added 
into the study hall because there's so many new people that were coming to learn. Amar B'yechon B'yechon says, Pligiba Abba Yosef ben Dostai Hirabanan. Abba ben Dostai and the sages argued about how many new benches were brought in to the yeshiva. Chad Amar Itosli Arba Meosafsli. One says that 400 benches were added. The Chad Amar Shiva Meosafsli. One said 700 benches were added. When Rabbi Gamliel saw this increase in Torah study that happened the day after he left the job, he was quite so. Have He was very sad. To Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel's um, spirit was sad. Omar, and he said, He said, "Is it possible that perhaps I, God forbid, kept Torah learning back from the Jewish people?" Um, so kitma. So in almost in response to calm him down, um, he was shown in his dreams white pitchers that were filled with ash. And the idea was that these students may look like they are white and pure on the outside, but they're filled with ash on the inside, and they shouldn't have been learning anyways. In other words, this was um, this was the heavenly way of comforting Rabbi Gamliel. But the truth was velohi. But the truth is, is that his approach was not correct, because even if someone is not one hundred percent sincere, they certainly should be given the opportunity to learn Torah. So if that's the case, why was Rabbi Gamliel shown this in his dream? It was only because God wanted Rabbi Gamliel's mind to be at ease because he because he was being he had good intentions in not allowing everybody to come in and learn Torah. So God wanted his mind to be at ease. But truthfully, Rabbi Lazar Ben Azariah's approach of there being no barriers for Torah study was the appropriate approach. Okay. So now we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened because of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's new policies. Tana, it was taught. Edeos bo bayom nishnis, the tractate of Edeos, um, which is considered the choicest of the tractates. That entire the entire tractate was taught on the first day of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah being on the job. And anytime you find throughout the Talmud the words Bo Bayom on that day being used, it's a reference to that day, the first day of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah as the head of the academy. And there was not a law, not even one law, that had been hanging, in other words, that had been unresolved in the study hall that on that day was not um, clarified. And even Rabbi Gamliel, the past head of the yeshiva, um, even he did not keep himself from coming to the study hall of Yushah even for one moment during that day. It's not like we learned in the Mishnah, Bovayom on that day, on that day, which was Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah's first day. The following happened. Um, yehuda who was a convert to Judaism from the nation of Ammon. Um, he came in to the, he came in front of the scholars, he came in front of the rabbis into the study hall. Amar lehem, and he said to them, Ma'ani kahal. What is the halacha? What is the law as far as me being able to enter the congregation? Meaning, 
of course he was Jewish, he converted. The question was here, could he enter the congregation? Could he marry a Jewish woman? Amar lo Rabbi Gamliel. So Rabbi Gamliel said to him, so we see Rabbi Gamliel was there during that first day, which is obviously an impressive move. Asur lavo bakaha. Rabbi Gamliel said, you are not allowed to marry into the congregation. Amar lo Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua said to him, mutar lavo bakaha. It's not true. You are allowed to enter into the congregation. Otherwise, you are allowed to marry a Jewish woman. Amar lo Rabbi Gamliel. Rabbi Gamliel said to him, V'halo kvar But didn't we already say, Lo yavo amoni umoavi b'kal Hashem. Doesn't it say that an, um, an Ammonite and a Moabite are not allowed to enter the congregation of God? So how could you tell me that a convert from Ammon is allowed to marry a Jewish woman? Amar lo Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua said to him, now, are Ammon and Moab still Ammon and Moab? Meaning, there was a nation called Ammon, and there was a nation called Moab, and they lived in specific places. But there was a time when all of the nations got... Um, there was a time when all of the nations kind of got confused during times of exile for all of these different nations. And... Far as as we're going to go on to explain, so meaning Amon and Moab are they still in their regular place? Meaning, just because you say you're from the area of Amon, it does not mean that you're from the nation of Amon that was the nation that lived in the area of Amon back in the times when the Jewish people were in the desert. Those were the ones that weren't allowed to enter into the congregation of God. But here, this is a whole different nation now, most probably living in the area of Amon. As we as we're going to explain, Kfar Allah Sancher of Melachasher, because we know that Sancher of the king of Assyria, he came and he confused all the nations, including ten out of the twelve Jewish tribes, right? The ten lost tribes. That's all exactly what happened to them as well. Shinemar, as the verse says, the Asir Samim Vasudo Sehem So because Sancherev said, Sancherev, the king of Assyria, he said, I removed the boundaries of the people, and I have taken their treasures, treasures, and I brought down the dwellers with strength. So in other words, I confused the nations. I, I, I exiled different people to different areas, so you no longer can assume that anyone is in their current, their, their, their um, ancestral home. If that's the case, in this scenario, you have somebody that comes from the land of Ammon, but most probably is not from the nation of Ammon that was the nation of Ammon from the times when the Jewish people were in the desert. And now we have a, just a little interesting halachic point. So, um, so we're basically saying that even if you come from the land of Ammon, you're not a descendant of the nation of Ammon from the time of coming out of Egypt, from the time of the Jewish people in the desert. Because we say, Whenever you separate, you assume that you are separated from the majority. And in this case, this man came from, in, from separated from an area, came to Israel or Babylonia. And if he's separated, we say he's from the majority, and the majority of the people where he came from, the majority of the people where he came from, are not those original descendants of the nation of Ammon from the times when the Jewish people were in the desert. So that's basically what we're saying. That last concept about separating from the majority actually does have very important halachic Jewish law ramifications. We just won't go into it today. All right, so that was Rabbi Yeshua's counter to Rabbi Gamliel as to why this man, Yehuda, 
would be allowed to marry a Jewish woman because he's not from the historic nation of Ammon. Amr lo Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel said to them, V'halok varnem, said back to Rabbi Yeshua, V'halok varnemar. But didn't we already say, V'acharichin ashiv eshevus b'nei Ammon um Hashem. But afterwards, I'm going to return the captivity of the children of Ammon, the word of God. So that sounds like the, that, um, that the Ammonites, even though they may have been exiled, they will, they will be returned to their ancestral land. And if that's the case, we could assume that this man, Yehuda, coming from Ammon, was actually from the historic nation of Ammon. Ukvar Shavun, because we could assume that they were already returned. Amr lo Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua said, but wait a minute, didn't we also say, and I'm going to return the captivity of my people Israel. We know that they didn't return yet. So just like they did not return yet, there's no reason to assume that just because God says I'm going to return the Ammonites to their land, there's no reason to assume that God has fulfilled that promise just yet, just like God did not fulfill it yet with the Jewish people. So you do not have any reason to assume that this man is from the ancestral, historic, I'm sorry, historic nation of Ammon. So after hearing the arguments, the sages that were present, they immediately allowed Yehuda to marry into the congregation to marry a Jewish woman. So that was just the story that had to do with Rebbe Gamliel being there on the first day of Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah's um, um, position as the head of the yeshiva, and uh, that's a story that shows us that Rebbe Gamliel was there. Okay, now we're going to continue talking. Amar Rebbe Gamliel, Rebbe Gamliel says, Since this is the case, so now what we have is this, we had this argument between Rebbe Gamliel and Rabbi Yoshua, and by the way, it was Rebbe Gamliel that disrespected Rabbi Yoshua several times earlier that led to his being fired. So now Rabbi, Yeshua, now Rabbi Gamliel listened to Rabbi Yeshua, saw that the halacha followed Rabbi Yeshua in this case. So he said to himself, I'm going to go and try to appease Rabbi Yeshua for all of the disrespect I showed him. When he reached Rabbi Yeshua's house, He saw that the walls of Rabbi Yeshua's house were black. And he said to him, from the walls of your home, it seems very clear that you are some sort of smith. Because your walls are black. Amarlo, Rabbi Yeshua said to him, uh, Rabbi Yeshua said to him, Woe is to the generation that you are their leader. Because you don't know that the, the, the suffering that the Torah scholars have to go through. You don't, you're not aware of how it is they, they, um, that, they, uh, that they provide for themselves. And how they provide nourishment for themselves. Meaning, Rabbi Shul was saying that a proper leader would have been aware as to what as to how the Torah scholars, the people that go home from yeshiva every day, how difficult it is for them to find um, to find nourishment for how difficult it is for, the, for them to provide for themselves. You would have known that, and now you're only finding that out right now. Omar Lo. So, and obviously Rabbi Yeshua was, 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 you know, very, probably very insulted by Rabbi Gamliel's treatment of him for the last, uh, for the last little while. So Omar Lo, so Rabbi Gamliel said to him, Na'anesi lecha. 
You're right. I have I have afflicted you. I have not been good to you. Micholi, please forgive me. Lo ashkachbe. So Rabbi Shua ignored him. So then Rabbi Gamliel says, please forgive me out of uh, respect for my father, who was a, uh, obviously, that was, I think, um, that would have been Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel. Um, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel was Rabbi Gamliel's father, and he was basically saying, please forgive me out of respect for my father, who was a great, great, um, a great Torah scholar and rabbi. So pious, so Rabbi Shua seemed to have taken that seriously and forgave, felt appeased and forgave Rabbi, Rabbi Gamliel. Okay. Amru, so they said, so now they saw what happened. So, so I guess some of the rabbis, some of the students in the yeshiva saw this take place, saw that Rabbi Shua had forgiven Rabbi Gamliel. And they said to themselves, Man nezel I'm sorry, not the students. Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi now that they had reconciled, they said, Man nezel Who is going to go and inform the rabbis of this reconciliation? So there was a koves. A koves is a person that does laundry, so like a cleaner. A cleaner. So a cleaner overheard and said, I will go and tell them. I will go and tell them. So Rabbi Shua sent this message to the base medrash, to the study hall. He said, let the person who wears the robe, let him wear the robe. And the one that does not wear the robe, let him say to the one that does wear the robe, Remove your robe, and I will put it on. In other words, what Rabbi Shul was trying to say here was go and tell the people of the yeshiva that it's time for Rabbi Gamliel to receive his position back. Because he only lost it because he was disrespectful. He's no longer being disrespectful. He apologized. He should now get his position back. He is the one that it wears the robe. It quote unquote wears the robe. He is the one that really should have this job. Amr Luhu Rabbi Akiva Lurabanam. But Rabbi Akiva said, Rabbi Akiva, who must have been in the yeshiva at the time, um, they heard that the they, they heard the words of the of the cleaner who was going to bring this message to the yeshiva. And he said to the sages, he said to the other rabbis in the yeshiva, Troku Gali, lock the doors so that what the so that um, the cleaner's message is not accepted. In order that the servants of Ramagamliel do not come and bother the rabbis. We like it the way it is right now. We do not want Ramagamliel back. Um, Rabbi Shua, Rabbi Shua. So now, um, so now, obviously, what happened was is that the the cleaner must have brought back this um, message to Rabbi Yehoshua and Rabbi Gamliel that the sages, the rabbis, the scholars in the yeshiva wanted to keep things the way they were. Um, Rabbi Shua, so Rabbi Shua said, "Motiv de ekum ve'ezel anolagabayu." He said, "Probably better that I go by myself." And talk to them. Asa Taraf Ababa. So he came and he knocked on the door. Amr Lahui said to them, Maze ben Maze Yaze. Vishaino lo Maze, Velo ben Maze, Yomer la Maze, 
Ben Maze. Okay, so this is uh, what they said, and this seems to be a bit cryptic, but the idea will be as follows. So he, they said, let the sprinkler, the son of a sprinkler, um, let the sprinkler, son of a sprinkler, stop, and then he who is not a sprinkler, or not the son of a sprinkler, say to the sprinkler, the son of a sprinkler, your water is the water from a cave, and your ashes are um, ashes from, from, from wood. So, in other words, what we're saying here is as follows. Let's just actually finish up. Let's just, uh, let's just, yeah. In other words, it's as follows. We have that, um, so basically what Rabbi Yeshua was saying to them, this is a, a bit of a difficult uh, one to get, but um, so I'm just looking at the way Rashi's explaining this, but basically the idea is as follows. Um, what Rabbi Yeshua was saying is that when it comes to, you have sprinklers. Sprinklers are a reference to the Kohanim, to the uh, to the priests, because when um, because when somebody comes in contact with a dead body, with a corpse, they have to become, they have to uh, purify themselves. And the only way to be completely purified is by is by um, sprinkling this water mixed with the ashes of a red heifer on the person that became came in contact with a dead body. And that was done by a Kohen with very specific type of water and a very specific type of ashes. So in other words, what he was trying to explain here is, is let the sprinkler, the son of the sprinkler, be the one to sprinkle and not say, and let not somebody who's not a sprinkler, the son of a sprinkler, say you're doing it all wrong. Okay, basically that's the idea. So in other words, what Rabbi Yeshua was telling the sages is let Rabbi Gamliel come back as the head of the yeshiva, as the nasi, as the prince, because his father was. And that should continue, That should con the, the lineage should continue, it should continue based on lineage, just like the Kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash. He has the tools for it, he has the lineage for it, he should be the one that becomes the He's the one that should become the new head, the back, go back to be, being the head of the academy. Omer lo Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva said to him, Rabbi Shua Nespayasta, Rabbi Shua, with your very cryptic message, you, um, no, I'm sorry, Rabbi, 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 he said, Rabbi Yeshua Nespayasta, he said, Rabbi Shua, are you appeased? Meaning, did he ask you for, did he apologize to you? The only reason we didn't listen to the cleaner who came to tell us that Rebbe Gamliel should become the prince again is because it was out of respect to you. But if you feel that you are appeased, that you feel that you are that um, that you are apologized to, then that's good. Tomorrow, you and I will go to Rebbe Gamliel's door and we'll tell him, share with him the good news. Okay, we'll stop here. Um, we'll stop here for today. We'll finish this off. Um, tomorrow morning, and uh, then we'll continue on. All right, have a great day. Well, basically what happened in this today's reading is a difficult one to read into the Gemara, but it's all about the story of Rebbe Gamliel, um, Rebbe Rebbe Lazar Nazaria being appointed the prince 
it not really working. I mean, it, it worked beautifully and all of the wonderful ramifications that came about because of him, because of his uh, first day on the job. But then Rabbi Gamliel realizes he was disrespectful. He apologizes to Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yeshua now has a mission to get Rabbi Gamliel back to becoming the Nasi, back to becoming the head of the yeshiva. We'll stop here.